0: Welcome to the Best Ever You
1: Network, celebrating our third year on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Thank you for helping us become a number one rated live show with over one million global listeners. Our team is on a mission to help you discover your authentic best self and bring it to the world. And now, here's our show.
2: Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening. I am Welcoming you to the Best Ever You Show. I'm i one of your hosts, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Kinda kinda giddy today because the sun is out and the snow is melting. <laughs> so you hear there's some spring in my step today. Anyway, um our other co host, he's on the west coast. How are you, Doctor Walter Jacobson?
0: Hey, great Elizabeth, thanks. Yeah, it's uh it's warm and sunny out here too. Very nice.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't call it warm here, but I call it warmer. <laughs> so we're heading in the right direction. I'm good with that. And baseball started yesterday for the kids at the high school inside. But anyway, it's it's all good. Um, before we bring our wonderful guest, Margot Joy Denader, on, um, I thought we would just chat maybe about our own books for a minute and just sort of you know slow our pace down for a minute. And because we've got books that we've written and um, – there you've got one about forgiveness. And uh do you want to talk just a little bit about your book? It's such a great book. I, I well, love it. Uh, thanks a
0: lot. Uh yeah, you know, a lot of people think forgiveness is kind of like a spiritual thing and it's something that, you know, you should do and you know, and uh, but it's sort of on the actually on the bottom of the list of things that people do when they get up in the morning and decide to like to go to work or or, or brush your teeth, or you know, or send a letter of it. Uh, it's not at the top of the list. And ironically, in my opinion, uh, it really needs to be. If we focus on forgiveness, on acceptance, tolerance, you know, compassion towards others, ultimately I think it makes everything else on our list to do during the day work better and more effectively. And, and that's really what Forgive to Win is all about. It's basically about you know, living a much more effective, happier life by service to others, being really compassionate, being forgiving, accepting, and loving. And uh, now, in terms of your book, I wanted to say to the audience that uh, when I first read your book, uh, Percolate, uh, it's just awesome because you're so down to earth. You really talk to people in a way that they can really understand. Uh, Your stories are wonderful and empowering, and the tools that you provide people is really incredible. And that being said, maybe you can, yeah, go from there.
2: Well, Percolate, thank you so much for that. That was very sweet. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yesterday I was on um, a show in New York City, and I couldn't believe how fast-paced the radio was c- compared <laughs> to our hour-long show. And I was like, tell them as much about your book in ten minutes as you can. And it was just really fast-paced, but it was so lovely and and so much fun to just kind of get it a little more concise and things like that. But, yeah, Percolate um, Percolate's a Hay House book and it's um, coming up on its year celebration. We've sold a lot of copies, which is, is great, but that really wasn't never my goal of putting Percolate out into the world. I'm, I guess maybe I'm opposite. <laughs> so many people are like, I've, it's got to sell and be a bestseller. And I'm kind of more like, you know, is it is it actually reaching people, is it useful, and is it changing lives? And I, so far the feedback is wonderful. Like I'd rather have – 63 really good five star You changed my life reviews Than 500 that are so-so And um, so yesterday on the radio We talked all about gratitude And that's my one of my favorite things is Because I know what it feels like To not be able to breathe And to be nearly dying from allergic reactions And things like that And um, I'm going to come back to forgiveness here in a minute Because so we talked about this yesterday on the radio too But you know just gratitude in the morning When you, when you get up and, and you can just even just that you're breathing and go from there and be really grateful and then forgive like i i spend walter talk about anger from a little bit here let's give an anger lesson because i used to spend a good fair shake of my time being angry until i kind of learned to sort of forgive myself and maybe even forgive you know you can be mad at the world you know like forgive the world for giving me food allergies or whatever it is you know
0: yeah
2: you know when yeah, you, when well. you spend your life in that zone it's hard
0: Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the thing about gratitude is really a a great forgiveness tool because when you're grateful for what you've got and you're counting your blessings despite what you don't have, you know, uh, it's easier to forgive. You know, it's much easier to let go of grievances and resentments, you know, and bitterness if if you're really grateful for your life. So uh, gratitude and forgiveness really do go hand in hand. The thing about anger is, one of my mantras is, anger hurts. Forgiveness heals, and anger hurts you, because basically when you're angry at other people and you're unforgiving of other people, you're really keeping yourself in an emotional prison. You're really locking yourself in with, like, a dark cloud over your head. You're not happy. You probably got, uh, you know, a, a churning gut. Maybe you're not sleeping at night. And the perpetrator, so to speak, isn't losing any sleep. You are. Uh, so you're like ruining your present moments with your anger and your frustration. And when you can forgive others and let go of the grievances and resentments, You'll be happier. It's not about freeing them. It's really ultimately about freeing yourself.
2: Yeah, or the circumstance that you're dealing with, too. Cause, yeah, you know, yeah be, exactly. You know, yes. like I've I've never seen my, I, maybe for a few moments, like get really mad that he had had a stroke, or, you know, I've seen myself get really mad that I have food allergies or, you know, something to deal with. Um, I interviewed Sarah Basie a while ago, and she is um, – this woman who survived a horrific helicopter crash and was burned over ninety percent of her body. And on the on air she's like, Yeah, I gave my p I set a timer to be really mad and then I let it go. Mm-hmm. You can spend a lot of time being mad at a circumstance too, not just a person.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can be uh, angry at a person. You can be angry at, at life circumstances. You can be angry at God, like, you know, what the hell did he have on his mind? Why did he do this to me? I mean, all of this just kind of recreates the victimhood mentality, which is really, you really want to let go of. So if life circumstances have really burned you or if people have burned you, you know, you need to get over it, get past it, you know release it because uh, otherwise you maintain this kind of sense of victimhood and uh, and it's a lack of personal power and it keeps you unhappy and so yeah, yeah you really want to get over that yeah
1: and
2: i think our books kind of go hand in hand with you know the whole forgiveness thing and then and then mine teaches you how to sort of um you know like if you've had something happen to you or a circumstance you're dealing with Mine kind of shows you how to deal with that and then kind of flip it around and even educate others about what's going on in your life. So, for example, I have food allergies, and um, I, I've learned to percolate peace by starting Food Allergy Zone, and my co-founder uh, has uh, lost his son to anaphylaxis, to peanuts and in, in pudding, and so his son his son passed away. And so we're out there trying to percolate peace and raise awareness for, for food allergies and helping people, you know, stay alive and thrive. So it's that kind of concept where you not only are, um, you've not only moved past these various stages of what you're, you know, what you're dealing with, um, but then in turn you just completely flip it and learn how to percolate peace. Um, and that that's all part of forgiveness and everything, Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the whole idea of peace is, uh, you know, inner peace, the, it really, it, it creates outer peace or, or world peace, a global peace. Uh, You've you got to start with yourself. You've got to start with first, you know, figuring it out, how to let go of your grievances, how to be grateful, how to forgive. And when you do that, and then you start teaching it and sharing it with others, but even just having the mindset is tr- will transform other minds and you, you role model for other people. And that's how we're going to get the whole world to a better place.
2: Yeah, and I can feel our guest probably wanting to chime in on this conversation, so I'm going to bring her in. <laughs>
0: great,
1: great.
2: Margot, Margot, how how are you today, and and what do you think about our forgiveness, anger, and percolating peace chat?
1: <laughs> you know, I love it. I really love it, and I love your book, Elizabeth. I love your percolate book. I've got it right here on my desk in front of me, and I I love my morning coffee. And whenever I make my coffee now, I think thanks a latte. <laughs>
2: I, oh yeah, you said that on that radio show. I thought that was so cute. And um, yeah, yeah when I, if I use thanks a latte, I always like quote you on it, and it's really cute. And oh. one, there's a there's a person we have in common that I want to give um, you know kudos to right off the bat because mm-hmm. she's one of my dear friends, and she's her story is actually in percolate, and her name is Deborah Oakland, and she is the living in courage person <laughs> that's what I call her. She she's overcome so much, and she teaches so many people to live their life courageously and without fear, and moving past all these things. And I and I did not know that you knew her. Um, I so you know I, I had heard it her. before,
1: but I had forgotten that that you two knew each other. And when she reminded me that that you two were friends, I went, Oh yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. I remembered that at that point, but. Yeah, she came into my life through a bunch of coincidences through Facebook several years ago, and we got to know each other through Facebook at first, and then she lives down near where our son Xander was going to college in Orange County at Chapman University. So we used to go down there to visit him, and he was working at the Apple store down in Costa Mesa. And we got to meet Deborah and Cody when we went down there. We went out to lunch and had fun hanging out together, and so you know it's so cool to when you meet like minded people through Facebook originally because you have similar things and that you value and you're interested in, and then you get to meet them in person. that's really so awesome
2: yeah- a- absolutely um, should, let me tell everybody a little bit about you um we with us today for the full hour <clears throat> we have margot joy denader. And she's a life coach, an author, teacher, and also has a radio show host. Has a radio show here on Blog Talk Radio. And you've got over 30 years of experience in personal development and spiritual growth. And you also have this amazing book called The Art of Living a Life You Love. And um, I, what I love about your coaching and your radio show, live your music, um, is that you really you help people around the world love themselves. Love love what they do, love the world they live in, and I like this, live the music they hear calling them. So we'll go. We'll talk about that, because some, some people might not know what that means, but you're kind of like a self-love, self-worth expert, and I'm going to spell your website and name just right off okay. the bat here, and then Dr. Walker, well, I'm sorry, I can talk today, I promise you I can. Dr. Walter can kind of take it <laughs> and ask a few questions here, but um your website is m a r g a u x j o y d e n a d o r.com and for those of you who did not write that down just now i will put a link um on the bottom of the show it's also in the show in the show description already so you can just click on that if you're listening and hello to everybody in the chat room dr walter go
0: <laughs> yeah okay well you know i was uh... preparing for the show and i went on amazon and you know in your, your book uh... you get to kind of look inside the book and read about the different stuff that you wrote and i really mm-hmm. really enjoyed it and uh, what i like about what you do is that everything is kind of integrated as you're a life coach to help people become their basically their best self and to really mm-hmm. fulfill their dreams and then your your uh, your book is more tips and tools and techniques to do that and then your your radio show is the same thing it's, you, we get inspired by other people who have done what you have advised and what you what you teach so I think that's really great and I wanted to just kind of t- bring it all back to the beginning and ask you how you got started in all of this
1: how I got started in all this oh you know it's such an interesting Question and it's you know it's it's funny because actually what really started the whole thing was when I was 23 years old my brother gave me a copy of a book called Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude by Napoleon Hill and W Clement Stone
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was living in an apartment with him he was letting me stay there while I was um, figuring out what I wanted to do next and then. Um, I also saw Wayne Dyer on the Tonight Show, and he was talking about his very first book, erroneous zones
2: mm-hmm.
1: and those two books helped me realize that you know you can change how your life goes by changing how you think and changing what you focus on, and that it was so cool to I'd always wondered walter what was was it that would make you have an attractive personality what would help? people like you, because I didn't really feel like I was that likable at all. During high school, I went from a really, really small uh, grade school in the country into a place where I had to ride a bus an hour and a half each way to high school. And it was in a huge high school, and I just felt totally lost. I felt like nobody liked me and that the ones that did like me, the boys that liked me, it was only because I looked okay. And yet I didn't even feel like I looked good enough either. So, you know, I had a lot of a lot of self-esteem problems during high school and even into college, into the beginning of college, I also did. So when I, I got that book at 23 and started realizing that I could choose whether I looked at the positive things or the negative things in life and that the people that I enjoyed being with the most were the ones that, chose to look for the good in life, that they chose to think with a positive outlook. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as I wrote a book about in my book, at least once I put it in there, is the fact that some people think a positive mental attitude means you go around and you go, oh, there's no weeds in my garden. But no, it it just means that you look at it and you go, oh, there's some weeds in my garden. I'm going to pull these out and I'm going to plant some flowers because I like flowers in my garden or vegetables or maybe both. Have one side that's flowers and one side that's vegetables. But yeah, it's a, it's about making the best of what's happening. It's looking for the seed of a benefit in everything that happens to you. That's what I mean by a positive mental attitude. I mean a great attitude, a good attitude, and it's it's interesting also that it was 30 years ago this spring that I, I had gotten my first BMW, and I started listening to audio tapes from Nightingale Conant Corporation. Earl Nightingale, are you too mm-hmm. familiar with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I was listening to those for so long, and then I ended up getting involved with Hay House ten years ago, and going in kind of more the spiritual side as well as the the psychology and the positive attitude side of it. So that's that's kind of how I got started in the whole thing. And the way the reason I wrote my book was because of the fact that in 1991, my dad passed away really, really suddenly. It, it happened while my mom was away from home for the weekend with my brother, going to get my nieces so that she could bring them up to stay for a couple of weeks up at their place. And he had a blood clot, to uh, let's see, a blood clot to his lungs or something. I can't remember the exact thing it was, but it was like sudden. He was gone, and they said that even if she'd been home, that they couldn't have done anything about it. So you know, at the time, I remember thinking, Walter and Elizabeth, that. He had never written anything in any journals or anything like that, and I thought, you know, I really wish that I had something that he had written that I could read later. So when our son was a, a little over a year old at the time. He was about a year and a half old, and I remember thinking, I'd always wanted to write a book, but it seemed like it was just too huge, you know, something that I could never do, and I didn't really even think that I could do it. But I started writing down ideas for a book about color originally because I was working in my husband's graphic design business. And and they say to write about what you know about. So I started writing about color. And then later on, years and years later, I finally took a writing class. And I started to to write a little bit about that. And my son was, was about 11, going on 12 at the time. And he said to me, Mom, I thought you were writing a book that was for me too. And I thought about it, you know, and I thought, well, I do love color. It's a passion of mine, and I'm really interested in color. But what I really want to do is I really want to share with Alex, Xander, Alexander, what I've learned that's helped me love my life and what's helped me be happy and what's helped me raise my own self-esteem and feel good about myself. And so, you know, I started gradually writing, writing the book, and it took me a long time, but I did it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Kids are wonderful motivators, aren't they? They're oh, they, they really motivate are. motivate you in the in most different ways. I know. I've got um, my one of the reasons why I'm on Facebook is is one of the big reasons I'm on Facebook is because my children are there, and mm-hmm. it's one way as a as a parent you can connect with your children on on in doing something that they're doing. Although I refuse to go on Snapchat as they all want me to, um, but with Facebook I sometimes do that, um, good morning from Maine hashtag mm-hmm. gratitude. And how I know that they're listening, um or reading my posts is I'll walk into the kitchen in the morning and they'll go hashtag gratitude like that <laughs> or something. <laughs> and then one of them put a note up on the refrigerator that says hashtag gratitude. Um so it's it's real cute, but what is your son what do you, now, with what you've done here, what's your son's take on it?
1: Well, you know, uh, what happened originally is that I, I started in, in that writing class, and I was writing at first trying to do it on the computer, and I would find that I would edit and and go, oh, I could change this font or whatever. you know. So I had heard that Wayne Dyer originally wrote his books on yellow pads of paper and then had somebody type them up. So I wrote the flow writing for my book originally, by showing up to write for a few, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever I could, after I would do my morning pages in the morning. And and when I finished doing the, the first draft of the slow writing, I hired my son to type the manuscript for me. So, you know, <laughs> and I had to tell him, I said, now don't be critical of, of this. This is just slow writing, you know, and, But he was great about it, so he typed it all up, and he helped give me ideas of what would work better here and there, and it was so cool to be able to give him a a very rough draft of it when he graduated from eighth grade, and then later, while he was at college, I eventually finished it and self-published it originally with colorful people on the cover, and I, I've now republished it with what I really wanted to have on the cover in the first place, which was a picture I took of Hawaii, of uh, a vacation that we had there. It's where we like to go whenever we can for celebration vacations. And, you know, it's, it's just really about enjoying the journey of your life. And so the the reason I originally had the colorful people on the cover was because of the fact that I think I was wanting Elizabeth to hold on to him being a little kid. It was he had gone off to college and it was the hardest thing that I have ever did as a mom was to let go and have him be that. Even though it's the southern California, he was still really far away and so I was really trying to hold on to the memories of him being a little guy and it's it, it I'm finally now, you know, with the coaching and with the radio show and doing all these other things. I'm, it's like I had to recreate my own life that I love because I was loving it so much of being a mom and that was so much my identity. And having one child, once he goes off to college, that's it. So, you know, the really cool thing, though, is that he would ask to give copies of his book, of my book, even with the rainbow people on it. He would give copies to his friends that were in college and they really um, liked it too. So, you know, I I think that it's like you were saying, Elizabeth, even if nobody bought it, if it just if if it was just helpful to the people that I know, that would be enough. And the hardest thing for me is to get out there and try and sell it and try and push it. And I haven't even been brave enough like you've been to ask for people to give me reviews or do things like that but it's you know it's just something i had to do It's something it was music that i heard calling me i had to write it and so that's where why it's there
0: you know i had a similar experience early on with uh wayne dyer and napoleon hill uh, with erroneous zones for me too it was like one of the first self-help books i read that uh, you know it really talks about getting rid of all the shoulds in your mind, uh, what you should do, and be your authentic self and get rid of all the old labels and, you know, and judgments you've got in your head that hold you back. And thinking Grow Rich is actually, in my my mind, was about being of service to others. And when you do that, you you know, then riches will come to you. But – But what I want to say is that by reading these books, I learned how to heal myself, and then I wanted to heal others. You wrote your book. You learned how to heal yourself and your self-esteem, and then now you're out there coaching people and doing this stuff. And I wanted to ask you, though, about coaching, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of coaches out there, a lot of life coaches. What Mm -hmm. do you think makes, like, a really good life coach?
1: You know, I've thought about that a lot, and I even had had thought about the question – if you could have anybody in the whole world as your coach, who would you choose? And, you know, the thing that that for me that matters the most is not where they went to coaching school or that they paid several billion dollars to go to coaching school and, <laughs> and do that, you know, and, and that they're all certified. I don't even care if they have a certification as a coach, really, you know, for me. My uh, coach that I had when I was writing my book, I would never have finished my book if I hadn't had my coach, Leslie Keenan, at the time. And so, you know, for me, what it is is someone who's kind, someone who really cares, someone who really listens, someone who hears with their eyes and their ears and their heart, someone that really asks you questions, empowering questions that can help you see where you need to grow where uh where you maybe have limiting beliefs that are holding you back for example one of my clients when he started with me when i was very first starting out as a coach back in the summer of 2012 i have a circle of life that i have people do scores on and his score in relationships and out of 10 was 2 and for him with money it was i think one or two it was you know it was really way down there and he didn't think that it was even important to think about relationships and for me instead of dividing relationships up into people you're married to people you work with your kids or whatever in my circle of life i have it being relationships relationships work money health spiritual well-being, personal development, home, and fun. Those are the eight areas that I have people rate, how they feel, whether they feel awful about it, you know, being like a one would be, I guess, awful, and ten would be awesome. And so then we can work on whatever areas that they want to, but, you know, he's gone from the two in relationships up to 9.7 whatever or something, and, and it's been interesting to watch it go as it goes up and he's doing better in the money and the work and the financial and all that's coming along as well because he's doing those things and you know he had been really high in the spiritual category and i think a lot of times what i've been observing is people that are really high in the spiritual category tend to think that money's not important but money is important in our in our lives and it's even something that I've had to heal in myself is, you know, realizing that money is important and prosperity helps us be able to do more for other people. So I I think that's a really important part. And then one of the the first things that I like to do is have people choose their top 7 values from a list that I have in chapter 1 of the book. And then that way, you know, start to live their life around those based around those core values that come from their heart.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, the, the thing about life coaching is I, I think back to, like, what, what do you think is a good life coach, you know, and, and that whole question. Some people, I think, don't even know what a life coach is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, and the difference between a therapist and a life coach Um Dr. Walter, do you want to take that one and, and just explain that to people, like what the difference is between you know therapy and life coaching? Because you know my impression of it anyway is that therapy kind of looks at the at the past a little bit, and, and you kind of understand how you are now as it relates to the past. But but maybe a, a really good therapist helps you look into the future too, and life coaching seems like it just is pretty much looking forward. Is that accurate? Or you know, yeah, you know. I
0: mean, I, I think the the lines can blur depending upon you know the choices that you know. the therapist or the life coach makes. You know, I mean, a life coach can can help people gain insight from the past and you know and understand better the, you know why their self destructive behaviors and where they came from and and a, and a therapist can be a life coach so to speak. Uh, but I think the, the, yeah, as you, what you're saying is correct though that basically the therapist is supposed to get people to understand. Their, their deeper inner, uh, inner motivations, their unconscious uh, motivations and drives, and help to uh, bring that to consciousness, make them become more aware of their behaviors, and then uh, it's easier to, to make changes in their life. And uh, a life coach is can do that too, but really does teach skills and tools and, and I think is really supportive and, and a cheerleader and all sorts of things to get people really moving and to take action uh, once they know the things that they Need to do.
2: Yeah, it uh, seems is, to me like uh, some that, of the... Yeah. So.
0: Oh,
1: sorry. Go ahead.
2: So, I, well, it seems to me like some of the topics, too, might lend themselves to to therapy, too, versus coaching, depending on the severity of what's happened to the person in the past right. or, like, a current addiction or something like that. I'm I'm not entirely... You know, I just... I th- There are a lot of life coaches out there who are like, yes, let me, you know, cure your addiction and all these things, and I'm not certain that that's... Where the qualifications are exactly. Do you agree with that, Walter, or do you think life coaches can yeah, handle yeah, all? Yeah, yeah,
0: your... yeah. I do. I think it's you know it's it's nice it's to want sense. to like heal people and you know and and change their lives, but you know sometimes you really have to do have to have the chops. You really do have to uh, you know know specifically uh, how to guide people, how to how to help them uh, you know kind of uh, go through the terrain of their unconscious mind. But um, it really, I you know, to a large degree, although. Psych- psychiatry, psychology, uh you know, uh life coaches, a lot of it comes down to empathy. You know, just really the relationship uh, you know, as Margaret was saying, the relationship, the empathy, really if people really get that you care, that you can relate to what they're going through, to some degree that's very powerful and healing right right there.
1: Mhm. Yeah? I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and and Walter, you know, and Elizabeth, both of you are I- I totally agree that there are definitely some things that definitely need to be with a therapist and not with a life coach. And a life coach to me, especially the kind that I am where I'm not really focused on business coaching and that sort of thing, it's an overall thing. For me, what I really enjoy are working with people to develop more of their creative side, to use more of their creativity in how they live their life, and how they express themselves, you know, that sort of thing. So when they're afraid to move forward on a dream or on something that they really want to do, that's, to me, more what I would prefer to coach them on. It's not a matter of me helping them get over the things that you can help them with, Walter.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very exciting, though. Life coaching, therapy, it's really exciting when you really... Make a change in someone's life, and you really see them blossom. And really, you know, they're they're laughing, and they're enjoying life, they're smelling the roses, they're succeeding. It's it's it's, a,
1: it's great stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, it's one of the best I, feelings in the world.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you, and I I think it's pretty powerful too when therapists and life coaches coaches combined, which is you know like one of the reasons why I completely love this show and hosting it with you, Dr. Walter, and having our guests on like Margot, um, you know, because it's it's like like life coaching and therapy all in one. So the past, the future, the present,
1: you know, everything <laughs> yeah. and
2: I I love how it how it helps change people's lives just by listening to the show.
1: Because right oh, now, so Margot. Yeah. I, you
2: know, Yeah, and I well, think, you know, I
1: just wanted to say Elizabeth though that I do look at people's past, but not in the same way. You know what I do is I look at let's look at how the choices that you've made and the results that you've gotten Right. and then learn from that and then decide how you want to remember to behave in the future. So it's for me it's it's it is looking at the past choices even if it's the choices you made last week or yesterday. And then th- and so for me it's not as much the way way past it's the you know yesterday last week last year or a few years ago. And then thinking about how you can reframe that and you can start moving forward instead of feeling like you can't do something just because you've never done it before.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great point, definitely. Yeah, um, you know, changing habits
0: is, is, is a big deal. I mean, people get locked into emotional habits of seeing the world a certain way, feel, responding the same way, doing the same behaviors, even if they're self-destructive. So life coaching, really important, you know, uh, it, it's and the therapy is important. But you know, Elizabeth, I wanted to say that something else I like about our show and our our co-hosting thing is uh, mm-hmm. is the is the male female thing, the kind of the yin oh, yeah. yang of it. Oh, yeah. I just I love <laughs> that too. That you know, because you're a mother of four, and you know, you have that whole mother thing going, and the feminine going, and mm-hmm. I got the masculine angle, and so it all kind of really works well on many levels.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I love and that. You're a great dad. Uh, Jill, let me just interrupt you for one second because one of the things I love about Dr. Walter is I, I love great dads. I love dads that pay attention to their children and hang out with their kids and, you know, all this stuff. And um, my husband's very much like that. He's just been so present in their lives. So that's one of the things I love about you. I, I love those trips you take. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: we're coming up uh, in April. We're going to do another surf trip, and we might go to Costa Rica this, this time. So That's that could fun. be really a blast, yeah. yeah. But thanks, uh, I appreciate that. If, you know,
1: kids?
0: being a being a parent uh, is uh, is is a lot of work and energy if you want to do it right, but it's really rewarding.
1: How yeah. old are your kids, Walter?
0: I just have a daughter. She's uh, twenty six.
1: Oh, our son's twenty five. So our kids are almost the same age.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can hook them up. No, I'm
1: just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> this is funny. Funny. <laughs> so cute. You, yeah. you really happy people. Oh, I gotta tell you guys something. We have a girl in our house, other than me and the animals. The animals are all girls. The, the animals are girls. The dog's a girl. I'm a girl. But we have my what, my oldest son has a girl, a pretty serious girlfriend, and she pretty much almost lives with us most of the time. And oh my gosh, she's like, here's some nail polish. <laughs> I'm like, yay! There's a girl in the house. <laughs> it's really funny. Um no but, I know yeah, that would be
1: fun. That yeah. would be fun. Uh, it yeah, is. I've always had all boys. I have our, my husband and my son and even our cat gender is a boy, you know. So it's all boys yeah. for me.
2: That's funny. Yeah, I'm the girl, the girl, the pets are girls. But anyway. All right. I let's go back to you cuz we're we're talking and having fun. I uh, I what I, I would love to know um you you talk about live your music. And I would love to know what that means to you and how it relates to your radio show and and things that you think about. Live your music. What's that mean?
1: Well, for years and years and years, I've heard Wayne Dyer say, don't die with your music in you. Mm -hmm. And his daughter, Serena, has even written a book. It was one of his ten secrets to success and inner peace was, don't die with your music still in you. And Serena's written a whole wonderful book that I really love called Don't Die With Your Music Still In You about her um, growing up with spiritual parents. The the way my radio show got named what it is is that my friend Robert Berry, who's he's just an amazing musician, and he loves all of this stuff. He loves hearing me talk about it. He had, I was talking to him one day at his recording studio about Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins or whatever. And he's he says to me, he goes, Margo, what do Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins and all those guys do that you don't like? Because I like to look for what I like in things. And at first I thought nothing. And then I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, Wayne Dyer says don't a lot. He says the word don't a lot. And then in this he's saying don't die and I like the part about living your music. So I thought, how can I say it without the don't and without the die? And I thought, oh, live your music. And I have a friend who says that, you know, she likes it better. Don't die with your music still in you because she says it makes you realize that you better get on with it. So I do mention that occasionally. But I like to focus on live your it's not somebody else's music, and what they what he means by that, though, is what you feel called to do. So it's what your heart desires. It's um, Emmett Fox talked about in his wonderful little book, Your Heart's Desire, about how your heart's desire is something that you're, means so much to you that you're even afraid to mention what it is to other people. And it can be related to music, but it can also be like writing my book. That was a heart's desire. Then uh, singing is a big one for me. I had overheard my my grandmother tell my mom when I was 12 that I should forget about singing. And I believed her. You know, She was so definite about it that I thought, well, I better not sing. I must have a terrible voice. And not even questioning that, whether that was true or not. So for me, one of those was singing, and I started taking singing lessons because I was so jealous of my husband and son and my friend and all the other people who were doing music. I started taking singing lessons in 2007 and did for a while and found out from the woman that I'm a coloratura soprano and that I can sing. I just have to learn to to breathe and how to hear the notes and to, to practice more than anything, to really focus and practice. So... So some of the people that I have on my show actually do music, and when they do, I play one of their songs, and we talk about the song. And for other people like you, when you were on, Elizabeth, it's about being an author and having your radio show and all of the amazing things that you do with your Best Ever You network. So it it can be anything, but it has to be something that comes from their heart.
0: Hey, you know, the Wayne Dyer thing when you said about the, that the one thing you were cons- you're concerned about is that he uses the word, you, you know, don't and do not. And, you know, we we're, we're ha- we actually have a happiness expert on, uh, Amy Coget, on, uh, I think, our next show. And uh, I did some work with her once, and she said to me, okay, I want you to, like, talk about something or give people advice. And... You can't use, you can't, you can't use no, or never, or don't, or, or, and uh, I, I had a really hard time, it's unbelievable, a really hard time shifting my mindset to changing every negative into a positive, it was like an amazing exercise, and uh, I think it really does matter, you know, uh, you can make the same point, but if you say it, and if you do a spin on it, and say it in a positive way, right, mm-hmm. that's kind of like what you're talking about too, in, uh, in, in your uh, book about being positive.
1: Right, exactly, exactly, and and also the other point I want to make that I think is really important about the word don't is that if you think about it, you can't say don't think of a pink elephant and not think of the pink elephant first. You have to think of the pink (laughs) elephant, and then you have to not think of it. Or (laughs) (laughs) you know, if you say I tried to do that once, Uh, I almost went
0: crazy. I tried to not think of an elephant.
1: also yeah. in baseball, you know, it's another good example. Our son liked to play baseball, and your sons like to play baseball, Elizabeth. And you hear the parents all the time. They're always going, don't run, don't swing. You know, what do they hear? They hear swing. They hear run, you know, and they have to turn it around to not do that. So, you know, to find ways to say it in ways that are positive,
2: Mhm. So can be a real you're challenge. Saying, though, you're right.
1: Saying... I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: but but basically, what you're saying is like Wayne Dyer is jealous of you because he didn't think of
1: live your music.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly I don't know if he's Marco. jealous
1: of me, but he might be. Wayne, I mean, if
2: you're listening, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, he's been an amazing teacher in
1: my life. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I um I was out at a Hay House conference almost a, I don't know it must have been almost a year ago now in Denver. And um, I bumped into this girl, and I'm like, "Oh, I, I, you know, I'm old," and I was like, "Aren't you just the cutest thing? You know, I'm just like you are so adorable." And I said, "I love your outfit, your shoes. You are just absolutely, you know, just you know, it was just one of those mommy things, you know."
1: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
2: Um, I had no idea it was Sky Dyer.
1: Oh, she was no awesome.
2: Oh, I love, but it wasn't, it was not not so much about how she was dressed and her purse. You know, she was all put together really, really cute. But what she was was kind. And I still, to this day, I'll I'll email her and I'll just say, you know, you still remain, you know, one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And she knew I was brand new. She knew my book had just come out the day before I was there. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she took a
2: copy of it. And she was just still just one of the sweetest people ever. No pomp and circumstance no ego no i'm wayne dyer's daughter haha ha, you aren't you know that kind of thing nothing <laughs> and you know she was just sweet and then the other person i met there um who margo if you haven't had him on your show i don't know if you have or haven't i can't remember but alex woodard have you oh yeah yes, yes. yeah okay yes. I thought yeah we, yeah, we of had a wonderful time talking
1: before. he is fantastic
2: Oh, he is just one of the nicest people. I've got to have him on the show again if he has time. Um, you know, I walked, I walked into the room again, not knowing really anybody, and he, you know, he mm-hmm. came up, gave me a big hug, and I had had um, um, air altitude sickness, which is unusual for me because I'm from Tahoe, and uh, mm. I was just sick the whole first day. And he's like, "You're going to be okay." <laughs> that Aww. was cute, but but I I so love the name very of your first, show.
1: That was your yeah. very first I Can Do It conference
2: yeah and encounter with them, and you know I'm trying to meet Reed with altitude sickness, you know, and all these different things, so it was it was a it was a piece of cake that first day, being that sick, not um but whenever I think of Alex Woodard and Sky Dyer, I think of your show, mm-hmm. Live Your Music, and I think about Serena and the book she was so brave to write, you know because when you're in that family, you know you're you're getting ripped that oh, this is easy for you because Wayne Dyer's your dad. And it's not right, true. actually, she had They're some bad reviews, that,
1: off. yeah, she had some bad reviews that were really upsetting her at the beginning because people were saying, "Oh, it was just because he was her dad that she had uh, done it, and you know I, those girls are so sweet Sky, I uh, originally met back in two thousand three. I took my son, Alex, to see Alexander he's Xander these days. To see Wayne Dyer, and Skye was singing for her first time at one of his events, and so that's how we got to know her as she you know she's just such a wonderful person she really is and she's been on my t- show three times
2: really It's almost hard to describe how kind she is um i i I really uh, I'll have to write a book about her one day or something it, I cannot still find quite the right words for her. she's just awesome just totally different The her whole light energy and everything about her is just completely different it's so oh, cool. i know
1: i know every time i've run into her and we've seen her over on maui when we've been over on maui because wayne's condo is right near where we stay and uh you know she's just so totally authentic she's totally who yeah. she is and she's really kind and the more i've gotten to know serena also she's been on my show a couple times and i being able to talk to her before and after the show and during the show and she's also that way. They're they're yeah. authentic, they're kind, they're real people. They're, you know, what they grew up learning, they have they they live it.
2: Yeah. I agree completely. How about you, Walter? <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. Right there. But I I was thinking of uh, you know, I was just talking about living your music and you know, what, as a coach, you're like, what, what do you ever get somebody who comes in and says, you know, I, I want to live my music, but I'm not sure what what the tune is?
1: Well, of <laughs> course, yeah. Okay. I mean, and that's actually one of the things that as a coach that you can help them with. But also my book, I like to think of it as kind of like a portable coach that they can start out with, and I like to use my book with my coaching. And I'm also start going to be starting teaching some classes to go with, the book, because there's 12 chapters in the book, and each chapter focuses on a basic principle. Chapter one is about how you imagine a life you love. Chapter two, you talk about what you believe and how the limiting beliefs, you can shift them and create your reality with your beliefs. And chapter three, we'll talk about the choices, the choices that you make and how those feel, whether they feel good or whether they feel bad. I'm just going over these really quickly. And then Chapter 4, you talk about ask empowering questions. And the questions that we ask make such a huge difference in our life. For example, if you say why, you were talking earlier, you two, about forgiving yourself and feeling like a victim. And why is a question that I've learned that you have to be really careful with. Because if you say, why does this ha- always happen to me, your brain will find a reason.
2: Do you know that's why Noah St. John is so brilliant? Do you know who Noah St. John is?
1: Oh, inter- no. Interrupt
2: you for a minute. We'll come back to Noah St. John endorsed my book. Um, he's the first endorsement on Percolate, and one of my very dear friends. And mm-hmm. um, he wrote the book of Affirmations. So he owns the word and website Affirmations, and so he teaches you to ask positive questions like, "Why am I so wealthy? Why am I so beautiful? Why am I so awesome? Why am I so?" So it completely changes the questioning.
1: Oh, I love that. I I love that. I definitely want to check out his book. But the power of questions are so important. And you can ask why questions as long as you ask them as good ones, like you were saying, Elizabeth. So in other words, in in that chapter, I have lists of questions that I recommend asking and ones that I don't. And there's a don't. So (laughs) what you do, though, is you say to yourself, why does... Why do all good things always happen to me? Why do people love me? Why do I have so much fun? You know, ask those questions and then you'll start finding those really good answers.
2: Hm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's Noah Saint John to the T he's coming on the show May May, May, May May, I gotta get the date. May third. Well <laughs> you time? know,
0: so the, that thing about the oh, asking the these why more. uh why am I so, you know, successful or wealthy or whatever it's fanta- that's fantastic because what you're doing is not only you're asking questions that help you to clarify things to do to really make that, it's a, it's a form of visualization also, isn't it? It's a form of like, uh, you, you know, projecting into the future what you want to be and then sort of making that happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, I started teaching um, meditation and visualization classes. I did my very first class last December, actually 12, 13, 14. <laughs> at a yoga studio here in Marin, and it went really well, and I had been so afraid to get out there and and do teaching. I had been wanting to do it. It sounds crazy, but it was a heart's desire of mine to teach, but not in the traditional kind of way. I started realizing I wanted to teach in places that were happy, positive, fun, and beautiful. And I found this yoga studio in San Rafael through a friend that was teaching some meditation classes there. And I, as you said, Walter, I could visualize teaching there. I could visualize that that would be a nice place to teach and that those kind of people that would come to a yoga studio would enjoy learning about meditation and visualization and what I've learned about it. Starting 10 years ago with uh, when I went to my first Hay House I Can Do It conference in Las Vegas. It was my very, very first time in Las Vegas. My very first I Can Do It conference in April of 2005. So, wow! Yeah,
2: that's that's pretty awesome. How many have have you been to a lot of conferences?
1: Oh, for Hay House? I have. Been to, yes, I have. Um, for a while there, I was going every year, and oh, good. then yeah, then I started um, doing review book reviews for Hay House. And um, Hay House had me review some of the conferences, so I did some uh, a couple of I Can Do It ignites, and an I Can Do It down in Pasadena. That's where I make, met Jake Ducey. I was reviewing the writer's workshop with Cheryl Richardson and Reed Tracy and Louise Hay, and he was sitting right next to me. He was so cute. He was, I think, 19 at the time, and he gave me a copy of his manuscript for his book, Into the Wind. and he was so disappointed, though, that Hay House wouldn't just take the manuscript and publish it. But they can't do that; they you have to go through an, an agent. And of course, you need to have enough of a following, or else you can't do it. Because a lot of people have said, "Well, Margo, your your book is definitely a Hay House book." But the thing is, I don't have the following, you know. So, you know, it's a business; they need to sell enough books. So, I published it the second publishing through Balboa Press, which is their oh good their, um, it's part of Hay House, and they keep an eye on it. But you know, I, I I have no interest in going out there and going buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. <laughs> Although well, I really wish tough. people would buy it because it can help them. You know.
0: Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough to build. Uh, it's really tough to build a platform, uh, you know, and get get those those people, uh, the numbers of people who are you know following you. It, it, it's very hard, and and you're right, it's very tough to market uh yourself and uh you know and but you know it's uh and I agree with you with the, every, every person who reads it and learns something from it just even one person you know you're a success you've done a great thing but uh and I'm like you I'm not a great marketer Andrew, but you got to push it you got to for one minute yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, go, go ahead hang
2: on one second and to just your your success too just to having written it down because so many people—it's a book lesson here. Right. So many people say, "I want to write a book," but they mm-hmm. never write.
1: Right. So yeah. many
2: people. Okay. Oh, I know, totally. and
1: I—I I really think that everybody would benefit by writing a book. It, you know, it doesn't have to be a really long one, but I think everybody's life is worth recording. You know, it. it I love Wayne Dyer's idea of his new book i can see clearly now and uh, my aunt was just talking about my aunt bobby i just adore her about maybe writing a book about her life and about her her husband uncle don and and you know wayne dyer's book i can see clearly now is a good way to do that because you know he did that he went through the different ages that he was and what he remembered from them and what he learned from it as he's looking back on it and it's true. We can all look back on our life and learn from these things instead of just getting so busy and so focused on what's happening next. Which, well,
0: I got to tell it for your book. You, you, write, write your music. What do you think? Yeah.
2: there you go, Mario, Write your music. You know. And the other thing I was going to say is, I think uh, you know, dovetailing on that, I I'm certain that sometimes people say, "I'm not important enough to do that or write a book." Who would ever care to hear that? And I think Mm -hmm. people would be really surprised at how their own stories of, you know, the ups and downs in their own life would inspire other people because there's such inspiration in just everyday life, Um, you know, even more so. um, I I love stories of what people, you know, overcome and achieve. You know, when you said that,
0: that that reminded me of Gabe Gabe, uh, Berman
2: because
0: he writes stuff about his life, and on, on Facebook, he'll, he, he'll mm-hmm. just write, like, a whole thing about, like, what he's thinking about that day, and, or you know, and it can be very mundane activity, but uh, he just infuses his, you know, his persona, his energy, his spirit into it, and it becomes, like, just really interesting and fascinating and, you know, something to reflect on, you know?
2: He could write about a yeah. piece of toilet paper, that guy. I mean, really. <laughs> I, fact, I'm going to have to tweet him. I need a blog called <laughs> a piece of toilet paper. He's hysterical like that. He's he's one of my inspirations be, behind writing Percolate. I remember he was the very first person I told, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and he's like, mm-hmm. Will you go for it? And let me know how it turns out. And I, he was the very first person I gave the manuscript to, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he, and Fred Quayer too, and they they both were like, Okay, this is good. And, and then I gave, um, I'm a I'm a really self-professed bad artist, and I had drawn out this. ABCs of life percolate. It was like three titles all in one on this one cover. It was in crayon. It was colorful. Mm-hmm. It was a clock with ABCs. i got a copy of it somewhere here. And oh, I, I love that and story I, like, in your I was,
1: book, was, too. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, I was so proud of this cover. I'm like, this is it, you know, kind of thing. And I, I took a picture of it and sent it to Gabe, and I got like one sentence back, and it was, no self-respecting man is ever going to pick up this book <laughs> with this cover <laughs> on it. And it was so hilarious. Um, you know, and You know, he's Elizabeth, so funny. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but
1: that really brings yeah. up an important point for me is that my book is for men and women. And I, one yeah. of the things my brother, as I always said, is it's so, he finds it so frustrating that so many of these books and so many of the workshops mm-hmm. are geared mostly for women. And it's because mostly women buy the books and go to the workshops. But especially with having a husband and a son, my book is definitely for both. It's both for men and women. I just wanna make sure yeah. that was clear.
2: Yeah, I tried to do that with mine too and I do get a lot of married guys who go, Yeah, I I um I bought it and gave it to my wife, <laughs> and he's like, No, 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 it's for you
1: But yeah,
2: um but Mara, I you well, know, I your just, book is love... definitely
1: for both. Also, Elizabeth, I agree; it's definitely for both. And
2: Walters it's... is too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think they all are. But I, you know, I think that's a mindful um, thing when you sit down and write, being mindful of, of both people, um, you know, both both genders, because you can't really mm-hmm. write something just for women or just for men or, or whatever. And and I know I tried really consciously, consciously to to do that. Um, back to your book, though. Where can people get your book and um, buy it and, and that type of thing? Because, you know, I would like to see your book sales, you know, go crazy.
1: Oh, thank <laughs> you. I really appreciate that. I would beca- I would like to because it means that those people are going to be learning things from other people's experience and they can live a happier life. They can get it at Amazon.com and also on BarnesandNoble.com. And it's also available from the publisher at Bal- Balboa Press. It's available in hardcover, softcover, and as an e-book, But you know, it's really designed to be as uh, be had as a, either hardcover or softcover because it's meant to be re- for people to write in it. There's room in it to write your your seven core values. There's a list for dreams. You can write your dreams in there. Right, you have the dreams that you want to work toward right there in the book where you can always refer to them. So. It's it's meant to be written in, so the e-books don't really work that well. But they are there. Yeah, they're
2: hard. Um, yeah. Oh boy, I can't believe the time. We have two minutes left. Oh, my gosh. We've been chatting <laughs> and having fun. Um, is there anything that we have not asked you that um, we should? Because we've been kind of all over the place having fun with you. <laughs>
1: Sorry. No, I've I've been having fun too, and that's actually the, to tell you the truth, what I think is most important in life is that people need to remember to have fun, to enjoy the journey, and share your success, and and to to realize that the most fun in life comes when you collaborate with other people. So to collaborate oh, with other creative people, that's that's a real joy.
2: Awesome, um, Dr. Walter. Yeah, I would just yeah. want uh, okay. to suggest
0: people also to check out your uh, Blog Talk Radio show. Live your music. A lot of great people yeah, on the show. A lot of inspiring stories. Cool. Oh, I have stories. so much
1: fun! I forgot to mention that too. I have so much fun doing that. It, that was definitely a heart's desire. I just definitely something I really wanted to do, and I have so much fun on it every week.
2: Yeah, it's radio shows like this are just they're they're fun. You get to meet new people and hear everything mm-hmm. that's going on in their lives and. About their yep. books or music or or whatever, it's it's always very interesting who you who you can meet to and share their share their information. Um, Margo, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they go to Margo Joy, right?
1: Yeah, just Margo Joy on Twitter, and then on uh, the M A R G A U X Joy, and then also um, my Facebook fan, uh, coach page is Margo Joy Denator, all run together. So.
2: And I'm are on you Facebook, new I'm clients? Twitter. Hmm? Are you accepting new clients?
1: I am, Sorry. I am. I don't okay. have a lot of room in my schedule for a lot of clients, but I am taking new clients, and they can call okay. and ask questions and find out if I'm the right fit for them.
2: Perfect. All right. Well, it sure has been a joy having you on the show. Um, get that, huh, Joy? <laughs> 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 <Sorry>. <laughs> we love you. Thanks for being here. And um, everybody listening, Margot's book is called The Art of Living a Life of, Love, and her website is Margot Joy D. Nader, and we hope you'll follow her and um, learn from her book and show her some love on her radio show, which is Live Your Music. And um, I think... On behalf of all of us, we just wish hope you have a beautiful day. And um I know I started the day out this morning posting a coffee mug that said, you know, be yourself. So um have have a great day today just being you and being your best you. Um and living in gratitude, forgiveness, courage, happiness, all those things we've been talking about today. Right you guys?
1: Yay. Oh, I am, Yay. I am grateful, thankful, <laughs> appreciative, Thank I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah so we I,
2: absolutely love having you on, too. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and have a great day, and we'll see you Thursday.
1: Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever U Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveru.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.